Polish and Maths booth. This week I'm joined by the lovely Beth Derbyshire. Hi Beth. Hi, thanks for having me. No problem. How are you? Um, good, thanks. Just uh, getting used to being back in work five days a week. Yeah, <laughs> rather than a, working from home. It's a bit of a shock to the system, isn't it? Oh, definitely. It's taken me, it probably took me all of the first half term to get used to getting dressed, going to work every day, coming back. Yeah. Doing my housework. I don't know how you all feel. Um, about it but the dark really throws me when we get to this time of year we, we go from having really light mornings and light evenings and then when that dark hits I'm instantly in like almost like Christmas mode yeah definitely I remember actually last well I think we went in lockdown didn't we in January and I remember yeah. just thinking I remember actually thinking I'm actually really glad I'm not driving trying to drive to work in the snow <laughs> <laughs> definitely so, um, Beth, do you want to just introduce yourself to our listeners, tell them a bit about um, who you are, what you teach, what you're involved in? Yeah, so um, I've been in FE for about 12 years now. Um, I sort of see it as my, my industry in a way because I literally went from university into teaching college students. Um, I spent a couple of years... I suppose you could say a gap year, but I was still in education. I went to Italy for two years, taught in a, with a primary school. Um, so I sort of had a gap year, but to be honest, that gave me loads and loads of experience that's really helped me as a teacher now. Um, so yeah, I've been a teacher for 12 years, and then I've just started in the last year, I've become full-time um, as a digital and blended learning champion. Um, so I basically do full-time staff development now, um, I actually love it more than teaching. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're FE born and bred, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bread and butter. Oh, that's, yeah. that's very cool. Lots of people come and make the move sometimes from secondary um, mm -hmm. into further education. It's a bit of a change. Um, some people, or a lot of people, especially in vocational, they're making the move from, um, you know, full-time employment within an industry and then making the move into teaching as well, which is a really, really daunting experience for some people. Yeah, I mean, when I started in FE, I was like 22, and most people that I was teaching, I was one of the youngest there, or was the youngest, and it was all people who'd been in industry for like 10 years, and then they come into teaching, whereas I had no real industry, I just came from my degree, and started doing that, um, but it's always been, I, I don't know any different. <laughs> yeah, and, and I know what you're saying, I know what you're saying. So, um, you've made the move from teacher to um blended learning digital skills champion yeah um, and you say that you do full-time staff development now so yeah. how's that transition been for you? you I know you just said that you absolutely loving it um yeah. how do you find it differs from um a full teaching timetable that into going into staff development and delivering that um to be honest it was a little bit of shock to the system so a few a few years ago I did do staff development I was an advanced practitioner in ILT and I did it one day a week um, but that wasn't too bad but then when I actually started doing it full-time it was really weird to think oh right I'm not I'm not on a timetable you get so used to saying right my, my lesson's at nine o'clock I've got a lesson nine till twelve and then I've got a lesson one till three um, and then I just kind of added it was almost like a free a free-for-all in a way I had so <laughs> much to do when I had to you know, it was brand new, new for me to kind of do that because I was like, okay, some days I've got to go on webinars, some days I've got to do research or I've got to contact 
people. So it's a bit weird transition. It was kind of a bit crazy at first. Um, but now, now I've got used to like my own routine, even from being at home and, and being in college. Um, and But when I do get to work with the teachers, I just love it because um, I don't know, I suppose I like when it came to teaching, I found it, found the pressure of making sure a learner passed an exam or being observed was quite daunting. And mm. I would still find it daunting now, you know, being observed. I don't think you ever get used to it. Um, whereas I feel like as staff development, you don't get you don't get that scrutiny really. I think as long as the teachers are happy with you and, and they're learning something and they're getting something out of it, you can continue doing the job like that. I think that's what I like about it. Yeah, the, um, I, I've actually just made the transition into um, into working with um, teachers. So doing a full-time teacher mentorship, but I still have um, some part-time teaching hours. And, and it is, it's exactly that. It's like you're so used to your 23-hour timetable, mm. um, 24-hour timetable, whatever it is. And then your slots become free and you're like, oh, my God, there's so much more to do in that. Yeah. Um, but I think there's real value to... Um, still having a teaching timetable and uh, you know being at a job working with teachers still being on the front line almost yeah yeah I, I love working with the teachers and, and like I said I think that teaching has become my industry um, and I've been doing it for so long so I love that because we yeah this the the, the beauty of FE is um, there's so many new types of, or types of new teacher isn't there you know mm. we have people who are new to teaching people who are um you know new to the subject area and teaching people who are uh, making a complete life change you know people who are just training to be in that um so I think it's it's fun it's such a fantastic industry to work in but let's talk more about the project that you're working on so you're um working on something local to your area aren't you in terms of blended learning yeah so uh, the projects that I work on is actually funded by the DFE um and it's we have a digital blended learning champion in every college in Greater Manchester. And that's been great because being able to work across colleges and being able to discuss, well, what are your colleagues doing? What are we doing? And being able to share those resources, um, being able to speak to other passionate educators in digital has just been great. Um, so we started it last year. So funding last year um, was based on us doing research about how things went in the pandemic and then how we can improve teaching and learning when it comes to blended learning maybe hybrid classrooms um, and then we developed a website I know that Stacey Salt she was on your podcast uh, recently and she's she was part of the digital and blended learning project um, and we developed uh, the website uh, we had lots of resources to share with senior leaders, with other teachers. There's lots of different resources on there. So you've got paper-based resources and you've got videos. So it's a really, really good website for anyone all over the world. You know, it doesn't have to be Greater Manchester. It doesn't even have to be the UK. Anybody can access these resources. They're all free. Um, and we spent a lot of time training, researching, working together to produce some insights. Um, of what what's the best way to to teach using a, a blended method and what are the benefits of of blended learning and then we were lucky enough to get funded for another year which is this year and this year 
we are working with digital lead practitioners. So our digital lead practitioners will go off and do some supported experiments and then we'll write a report on how those experiments went. So it's sort of giving the chance for teachers who maybe are anxious about trying something new or something digital and trying it out and seeing how it goes and seeing the learner's response. And then at the end, we hope to put a report together to say like how it went. I'm really hoping that this is gonna improve teaching, learning and assessment for the future, really. Absolutely. We've obviously just come out of a huge kind of um, kickstart really to, well, I'd say another kickstart to um, technology, haven't we? You know, the pandemic's opened up all kinds of avenues for, um, for teaching in a blended world and also kind of bringing out new technology, bringing out new tools. And mm -hmm. we've just almost got, we, we're just transitioning back to um, the classroom. And, um, you know, we're still kind of finding our feet on that kind of, you know, what should we be using in the classroom now? Mm -hmm. Now we've got all this knowledge. Um, how, do we, how do we go back to being in the classroom with this technology? Yeah, I mean, a big thing for me, because I was doing a hell of a lot of research, especially when we locked down in January this time, it was a lot of it was based on online and I was there to support teachers. So a lot of my research was based on, well, how can we create interesting activities while doing it online? So I was looking at apps like Neopod, who offer a really good online learning approach uh, where, you know, anyone can log on their device all over the world and go on to the same online lesson and the teacher can actually see what each learner is doing and they can work together. But when we got back into the classroom, because I got so used to supporting that side of it, I thought, well, actually, how is this now going to work in the classroom? Are all the learners going to be sat on the phones mm. while we're doing this? That, that probably wouldn't work, you know, as a full lesson. So I had to kind of think about, well, maybe, you could use Neopod for a portion of the lesson and then do some other hands-on activity in other parts of the lesson. But yeah, it was like a, a bit of a transition then. I still, yeah, I still think we're, we're kind of going through that. I mean, I, I kind of feel like that. I feel like we've, I've learned so much from online learning, um, both tools and kind of understanding learners and how they're working with technology and um, you know, independent working and now back in the classroom um, and especially for English, penmanship is really important because mm -hmm. we, we've lost a lot of that over the years um, with technology being incorporated and, you know, mobile phones, tablets, um, Siri being our replacement dictionary in the English classroom. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I worry that we're going to lose that penmanship over the, over the years. Um, how do you feel about that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was on a webinar actually this morning with Joanne Miles and that was a big thing that came out of it was a lot of uh, managers were saying this is what learners have lost when it came to that. So we might have encouraged independence and digital skills has improved, mm. but actually when it comes to writing, that's something we didn't really do because it was really difficult to monitor. Um, mm. when, I, when the lockdown first happened, I was in Italy and I was working in the primary school and we were using an app called Seesaw because it was just something that 
was already being used anyway for kind of homework activities and it was really good for us to say right let's do everything on seesaw and we use google classroom for online learning but the big thing even then after a few months um, because i was actually support so i was in the eal so supporting all the the teachers and a lot of them would say uh, this learner they need to work on the writing and it was really difficult for me to find an online activity where I could yeah. do that yeah um, the, a lot of learners in the start I don't know if you found this or, or, or the listeners maybe found this but for English and maybe even maths actually but a lot of my learners um would be on teams listening to the lesson and they would say can I write in my book and I'd be like, yeah, of course you can. Like, you know, write mm. in your book and take a photo and, you know, um, don't don't worry about that side of things. Mm. I'm absolutely fine with that. And yeah. it, it kind of brought a bit of classroom, you know, back onto the online because although we'd created this whole classroom hub and space through, um, you know, technology, there were still learners who valued the pen and paper approach because that was their way of working. And, uh, you know, I, I, I did I do miss when we are online and I did miss being in front of the class and seeing all that kind of process happening the planning stages um, and as much as you can see it online again that, that penmanship it all comes back to that penmanship um, and we see it well I, I say we I, I've seen it in maths as well where um, you know learners are so dependent on their calculators or their mobile phones to answer the questions that they don't want to write sometimes and they think well I know how to do it I've just done it mm. on the calculator. Why do I need to write that down? You know, why am I going yeah. to put it to paper? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think there's an element of, you know, times are changing. And, you know, I remember when I was at school and they said, oh, you shouldn't be using, I remember a CD called Fantasia, not Fantasia, sorry, Encarta. I don't know if you know that, but it was, a, it was an encyclopedia no. online. And no, we no. used, okay, it was... Uh, it's an encyclopedia disc that you put into your computer and you could search for anything. Wow. And we got a big telling off because we shouldn't have been using an online encyclopedia. We should have been using a book. Wow. But actually, why not? Like now, that would be, you wouldn't go to a book. The first thing you do is go to Google. Mm. Yeah. And, and so 100%. I do, yeah. So I do think there's an element of um, adapting to the times and that knowing that, using a calculator is okay because in the real world you, you would have a calculator um or you would always have an online dictionary or an online translator um but at the same time i do agree that they still need to learn you know that penmanship still uh, writing things down is still beneficial i think there's a lot of studies actually that say that writing stuff down actually helps your brain mm. remember things i think as well um that one of the things that shocked me when I moved into um, FE, so my background was was EFL, and yeah. our learners were dependent on translation um, dictionaries and also dependent on dictionaries and thesauruses, and we we worked on those skills with learners. When I moved into FE, a, a lot of my learners, particularly for functional skills, they'd never opened a dictionary, and it really shocked me. And I mm. thought maybe maybe I'm just out of touch here. Um, and at the time, you know, you could use you could use dictionaries in functional skills. So we were having to teach dictionary skills. And I, and I still mm. feel like, you know, we, we we do still teach dictionary skills, actually. Mm. 
um, to some of our learners and uh, at GCC as well, because they um, pick it up and they, they, they look at you like it's some archaic book that's been dug up, <laughs> you know, that should be in a museum. And, and they're like, how do I work this? And the same with a thesaurus, you know, especially if it's a dual one. But you forget how easy things are at the click of a button. You know, we don't need to look at a thesaurus now to change, um, you know, the word said. We can mm. just click it into synonyms on Word or we can just type it into Google or we ask Siri. Um, and we are getting things quicker. Um, but then do you think that we're, we're missing yeah. out on critical thinking skills or thinking skills in general? You know, that kind of processing. Well, how do I do this? What other things can I think of that aren't at a click of a button? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm an advocate for technology and I, I do think it's a tool that should be used, you know, shouldn't be avoided. But I, you know, I know when I taught functional skills, um, English and a lot of the learners, especially the adult learners, would just mm -hmm. Google everything and copy just what it says or completely translate things. Yeah. Um, but I know from my perspective, because when I went to Italy, I had to learn Italian and I learned that and I did start off. I will say that I started off using translator all the time. But now I've got to the point where I started, sometimes I'd say write a text message to a friend and try to do it without using the translator and then maybe just use it every now and again. And now I've got to the point where I don't need to use it at all. Well, pr pretty much I don't have to use it. Um, and that, that's taught me a lot, to be honest, because I think at first I thought, oh, you should be using the translator, you should be doing it by yourself. But I think there is that element maybe of the transition period mm. where maybe let them use the the translator for a while but then you also need to learn to let it go <laughs> little by little yeah i'm with you i'm with you um so here's a, a I suppose like a quick question which is are there any top tech tools at the minute that are really good for english or maths that you could recommend to, to listeners um Hmm, off the top of my head for English and maths. And because a lot of what I do now is sort of general teaching. So specifically for English and maths. So at Bolton College, we use Century Tech. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many other people use Century Tech, but I've not used it personally myself, but a lot of the teachers really favour it. I think the only, there's some issues with accessibility and stuff like that, but um, it's really good for like a blended learning method. Um Things that I mentioned before, like Nearpod. Um, I think it's things like Nearpod where you can set set homework, and I, I think Century Tech do the same. And then you can see which learners done it, how they've done, which questions did they answer, which questions did they not answer very well, um, mm. and use it to inform your planning. Um, some other tools like Edpuzzle, and we also have Planet Estream, and they mm. just put, put a quiz feature into planet eStream where you can you see so you can use it for flipped learning so if you show your learners a video from youtube it's all well and good thinking oh they, they've watched that video at home but actually how do we know that the learners have actually understood what was said in that video so apps like edpuzzle and planet eStream quiz feature you're able to put in questions so every sort of minute the video will stop and the learners have to answer a question and it could be open-ended like yeah that. or multiple choice and again you get a report so you're able to see which learners so you're actually assessing assessing them while they're doing homework and 
you know, using that flip learning method and then you can talk about it when you get into class. Oh, yeah, I really like that. That's, that's mm. um, two I've not actually heard of. So, so I'm definitely mm. going to go and check them out. Um, we're coming towards the end of our time, Beth. Time goes so fast when, we're, when I'm on the podcast. <laughs> it just whizzes by. Um, so our, obviously, golden question is, do you have a most memorable lesson, positive or negative? Um, and what was it? Why was it so memorable? Um, I have got a memorable lesson, but I would say it doesn't, it's nothing to do with teaching. <laughs> it's, okay. more to, it's more to do with behaviour management. So I, I had this class of um, arboriculture boys. So arboriculture, cutting trees down, so they're very practical learners um, it, in nature all day. And then they come into the classroom with me. Um, it's more of a funny story, really, because I was right. I was teaching functional skills English. I'm right on the board. Every time I turned back round, there was buds all over the floor. <laughs> and I said, "What? What? What's this?" And they were like, "No, we don't know." And they genuinely looked like really innocent. I was thinking, "I'm sure they weren't there a minute ago." <laughs> <laughs> Every time I turned round and come back round, there was more buds on the floor. And the next minute, they, so they'd literally gone around picked all these bulbs put them in the pocket and then every time i turn every time i turn around it wasn't looking they were just throwing them on the floor so it was i don't know why i remember that it was just a bit cheeky but you know it wasn't like they were being badly behaved they were just kind of having a, a laugh and a joke with me but i do think that's a really it, it's good to have that rapport with you yeah totally <laughs> i think i think we all remember you know we, we can all probably pick out a lesson that we've personally thought was um you know maybe for a negative experience but actually our positive ones aren't positive because everything went right they're positive for so many different reasons and you know so many people have come on and talked about their um teacher student kind of rapport and, and I think I absolutely just love to hear it because uh, it's so positive and it just reinforces the idea that in FE relationships are just everything student teacher relationships yeah. are so important so yeah, um, oh, that's, it sounds like good laugh so thank you so much Beth <laughs> Um, no problem. We just want to let your or your our listeners know um, what your Twitter handle is, and also about your podcast. Just before we go. Yes, yeah, so my Twitter handle is Beth Derbyshire, but I haven't got the e on the end of Derbyshire eighteen. Um, and I have a podcast. <laughs>